ready. It's game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stompers. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. The Bears angst in general. Everybody's like angry about it, I feel like. Just relax. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. This is just how it is. It's a range of emotions. It's a range of feelings and hot takes. Here they are. Fiery, feisty, and frequently ill. The Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. Rested up from the bye week. Ready for the final six weeks of this glorious 2020 Chicago Bears season. Which everybody is so happy. Did you say glorious? Glorious. Yeah. Look, I get a bye week. Everything set resets, right? Everybody you forgets. Get a fresh cut. Look at that, man. Oh, man. I needed a haircut so bad after having COVID and not being able to go anywhere i was really overdue feeling fresh rested feeling glorious feeling glorious looks good looks good i need a, thank I need you a new do here yeah a whole new do no That's no what, not a whole new do. <laughs> go with a mohawk just to do yeah now, now's the time to experiment you don't have to see anybody <laughs> you just gotta see my stupid <laughs> face on zoom a i'll times just stop the video right here and just have the name in zoom <laughs> That's it looks better. Uh, <laughs> welcome in. Uh, we appreciate the uh, the patience as we took a couple days off, skipped an episode during the bye week, um, and now we're back. And it's Packer week. And it's a big week. It is a big week. I, we know this from covering this team and seeing different head coaches, different GMs. The when things are not going well. Packer week is important. Um, <laughs> the way I look at it, and I, I have uh, my new 10 Bears things up for this week on NBCSportsChicago.com. That's what I led with. You know, these final six weeks, John's, you know, I got asked a lot over the last week or so. What do you think is going to happen with Matt Nagy? What do you think is going to happen with Ryan Pace? Um, and I kept saying, let's let this last six weeks play out. A lot can happen. You have four divisional games. You have two of those against the Packers, which always matters. And it could go either way. I mean, you go you go in Green Bay Sunday night and beat the Packers, things look a lot different. And if you get if you're down, what was it, forty two to nothing in twenty fourteen? Mark Trussman's game, if that if something like that happens, that also looks a lot different the other way, in a really, really bad way. So my point is a lot can happen here. These are important games. This is a very important one. Let me throw out a hypothetical for for you. Say the Bears go four and two over the last six weeks. Finish nine and seven. Finish nine and seven. But those two losses are against the Packers. And they don't look good in those losses at all. Okay. Like Mike Lennon bad. Like what what year was that? Twenty seventeen Mike Lennon bad. That's how bad they look in those losses. That's the first time we ever filled up our voicemail line. The Mike Glennon game? The last yeah. stand of Mike Glennon? That was the first time that we uh, the mailbox was full. By like an hour after the game. Yeah. Say they go 4-2 and two, and those two losses are against the Packers. Is Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace safe? Whew. So, here's... You gotta like think about week-to-week contacts. So... That means they lose this week when they fall to five and six. And you're saying it looks bad. Like it's not just a close loss where you lose on a field goal and you played pretty well. This is they played bad. Things did not look good. They get their butts kicked. Okay. By Aaron Rodgers. An angry Aaron Rodgers. Yes. So I'm just trying to think. Butts are kicked. I'm just trying to think to this Monday then. Five and six, five game losing streak, butts kicked in Green Bay. That is not good. That would be really, really bad. Now, in the situation you're proposing, they fire off four straight wins after that. Beat the Lions. Uh, then is it Texans? The, or is it Vikings again? Whatever. It, well, it's the Lions, the Vikings, the Jaguars, and the Texans. Texans in there. Forget the order. But, yes, that's the, the competition. All teams below 500. 
again, I think it kind of depends what that looks like. Does it look like when they were five and one earlier this year, where it's really not all that impressive, and you're still having offensive problems and people are questioning coaching decisions and things like that? What that sets up, though, is so. What at that point? I could do math. So, so you'd be nine and six going yes, into the last yes, week for most likely a playoff spot on the line. Yeah, now you're feeling me here. The division's probably out the window at that point because if you lose the Green Bay Sunday, I don't know how you erase the deficit. You'd need a lot of help, but you got a playoff spot on the line in Week 17. But once again, you're saying that they look bad in that game. Whew, that would make Matt Nagy 1-5 against the Packers. Pace's record even worse than that because you've got to factor in those three other years. What do you do? Man. That's kind of a tough situation because you still went 9-7. and seven. Yeah. You're a winning football team. Didn't go completely off the rails, but you're still behind the Green Bay Packers. I don't care what they say over Zoom to us, whether it's the Bears coaches or the players. Those Packers games mean so much to the McCaskey family. Nagy knows that. Yes, I think he does. He definitely knows as, that. As much, well, he'll downplay it. He has downplayed it already this week. But it's very important to the McCaskey family. It's very important to Ted Phillips. It's their gauge, their meter, that tells them how far they are behind being a legitimate contender. Which the Packers are and continue to be. (sighs) I I think. I don't think that they would make a move. No, I don't. I don't. I don't. As bad as it may feel, as many questions there might be, a nine and seven football team is a winning football team, and given the the extenuating circumstances of this season, season played during the pandemic, they get another year. It's a good hypothetical, though. One that could potentially play out. Honestly, if you look <laughs> yes, at the schedule, yes, yes. just wouldn't completely surprise me. Um, oh, we got a cat in the Zoom. A cat's yeah. butt in the Zoom. That's our first cat appearance of the year, which is a big upset. I can't believe we. Well, you had a you had a couple ch- children appearances. Children. Yes, but um, usually our producer Kent has cats around. That's always good. It's a good transition just to have the cat jump in the Zoom, change the conversation. Um, who starts at quarterback Sunday? I'm going to say Mitchell Trubisky. I agree with you. First of all, I don't even know that Foles is healthy enough. No. Um, which will make the conversation about, all right, if both are healthy, who do you start? That kind of goes out the window. I guess we still wouldn't know the answer to that. But I'd like to think it would still be Mitch. Because... Oh, no, no. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Hey, well, go ahead. I mean, how could you still... I, I, I just... Nick Foles has been considerably worse than Mitch Trubisky. Like, I think a week ago I was saying, oh, he was just worse. Then I watched, I always spend the bye week, I go back and watch things, as painfully as that is. (laughs) I thought you were giving yourself a time off. Instead, you decided to take a needle and just stick it in your thigh over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know why I do that. It's a a self-harm tactic with watching this (laughs) this Bears offense. Um Mitch was way better. I don't know how else to say. Like it just he just was, and people people just don't want to admit it because they're so sick of Mitch Trubisky, and I and that's fine. But they that can you can still be sick of him and understand that things were just better. It wasn't just him. It wasn't just the quarterbacks. It was the whole offense. And if Matt Nagy can't figure that out or accept that, then I don't know what we're doing here. I really don't. So if Mitch is healthy enough to play Sunday night. And it can't just be him going out there and playing. You have to go back and do the stuff you did earlier this season. That's the only chance you have at getting the running game going. Is to go back and do the stuff. More three tight end sets. Two tight end sets. Play action. Get the fullback out there. I don't care. 
less three wide receivers. You have to go back and do that stuff. And if you're not going to do that stuff, you're just conceding the season. And I and and I if that's how these last 6 weeks go, Johns, then there should be changes made. If Nick Foles is healthy, I'd be surprised if they make that change. But really, I do think that the injury to Nick Foles' hip pointer provides them with good cover. Like this is they may not want to do it, but now they are left with no decision but to do it. Can I interrupt you real quick though? Why would they not want to? I don't know. Like why I, do you I, I just don't I just, Why do you still think that they w- wouldn't make that call? I, I it would just it would just be so surprising for them to like humbly make that decision. Right? Like this is what they've always wanted. This is the quarterback they wanted. Foles? Yeah, well he's not playing like the quarterback they wanted, but you, but you get my point? I'd still be surprised. I could be wrong in my surprise. Everything says to play Mitch. Everything. Any stat Everything. you want. Just just throw a stat out there. Yeah, play Mitch. That's that play Mitch. Running test, game, play passing Mitch. game, eye test. Play Mitch. Play Mitch. But Mobility. It, we, we've seen the Bears offense. Just They're trying to pound a square peg into a round hole over and over and over again. And I think Nick Foles is part of that equation. Oh, but I, I will is. say this, and I just wrote this on The Athletic right now. Matt Nagy has been more has sounded more open-minded than before on this conversation. Why is everything a three-week process, though? I know, it's right? Like, yeah. It's like he starts to be open-minded, and then like the next week, it's like, oh, yeah, and then the, finally the third week is when he makes the decision and changes it. Yeah. Well, again, you know, it's, it's a humbling decision when you're so caught up in thinking this this is the right move, right? It, it's just... And Foles is his guy. Like, you could always go back on Trubisky wasn't Nagy's guy. He wasn't here when that selection was made. He inherited him. This this move to, to go get Nick Foles' offseason, like, Pace may have been the general manager, but that was squarely move, tied yeah. to the head coach. Absolutely. Absolutely. A Matt Nagy move, and... Yeah, has not looked good for that Matt Nagy move whatsoever, and... Look, it's my understanding that Mitch is getting better, hasn't been getting better, has been throwing for quite a bit now. Nick Foles, according to our colleagues who were at practice on Monday, was not present. Uh, we'll see what happens on Wednesday. We are recording this on a Tuesday. There could be more out Wednesday right before Thanksgiving. It could be, you know, the ball could be handed to, to Mitch Trubisky 24 hours from now. Yeah, well, we'll know a lot more. Uh, so with Thanksgiving this week, we'll, we're will we going to do our preview episode Friday morning. So it'll be a little bit delayed. We'll still have that out there for Friday. Uh, and by then, we should know a lot more because we will have a couple days injury reports and have a better idea what's going on with Foles and Trubisky. But, I mean, really, this, this just should not be a hard decision. It really should not be. Good transition, though, because Nate Tice is awesome. We had him on the podcast earlier this year. And he does great stuff for The Athletic and on The Athletic's football show with Robert Mays. And he uh, has some strong thoughts on this exact conversation we're talking about with the Bears offense and how they got away from things that were working and whatever the hell they're trying to do. Nate's awesome at explaining all of this. So, Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, let's bring in Nate Tice. You can hear him on the Athletics Football Show with Robert Mays. Follow him on Twitter, at Nate underscore Tice. You heard him earlier this season right here on the Hogan Johns podcast. And, uh, man, things were a lot different back then, Nate. I remember uh, we were having a fun conversation about all the different things that Matt Nagy was doing on offense to help Mitchell Trubisky. And then, uh, apparently... We jinxed everything because since that conversation, <laughs> none of that stuff has been happening. 
I can tell you I can tell you when the date was that we did that because you know it was the end of September because literally what four days later they just benched Trubisky after we just said hey there's some optimistic signs here and then they just benched him and I was just like well never mind I guess I was seeing that shit wrong. <laughs> so what do you think of the I call them schematic changes like what are you seeing I know you're big X because of those guys like like what what are you seeing with Nick Foles, like what, what's going on with the bears. So it, when I was talking to Robert last week about it on the pod and, and we were talking more about the Eagles and it might actually been even this week. It all blends together. <laughs> um, but um, we were talking about the Eagles and just how hard their offense looks. Everything just looks hard and it just looks like a convoluted mess. And we actually were able to dovetail that conversation into talking about the bears and just talking about, these Andy Reid disciples and, you know, they really have that philosophy of let's try and change how we're going to attack. Like we're going to, we're going to, there's no bad idea kind of thing. And that's great when you have Andy Reid down up the plays and Andy Reid's biggest blemish for years and years was, Oh, his offenses aren't tough. They are Mickey mouse offenses. They are gimmicky. They just steals too much college stuff. That was the detractors. And then once he got Mahomes, all of a sudden that went away. Now it's, Oh, look at these cool college concepts they run. You know, it's funny how the argument changes based on how well you're doing. So, um, so now that he, with Andy Reid, these guys are doing that. They're trying to emulate what Andy's doing, all these cool stuff. And they're just throwing shit against the wall and seeing what sticks. That's what it looks like it's staying. It looks like in the first couple of weeks when we were looking at Trubisky and we we're like, wow, they're doing some fun stuff. They're running the hip slot play action stuff. They're making it simple for him. But guess what? It was working. Like it was actually like looking like a competent offense. I wouldn't say good, but just at least it looked like they can get a couple drives going. And they put fulls in there and it just seems every week they're just throwing different shit against the wall and just going like, well, it might work this week. And it it's not. Um, you know why that hip slot's working? If you watch the Saints this weekend too they're running the same stuff that they were the bears were running with Trubisky. They're running, they're making it simple for the quarterback. And then the worst case is they can use their own legs as a check down because Trubisky and, 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 and Hill are just good athletes uh, back there at the quarterback position. So it's just like, it's insane. Like how much has, everything's just fallen off. Um, they, you know, they, they played the Falcons that week. They pulled the win out of their butts, you know, late in the game. And the next week they just got absolutely slaughtered by the Colts. And they knew what they were facing in the Colts. This is week four. You know, it feels like a year ago. And in that game, it was also, you could see, they know the Colts are only running one defense, basically the whole game, cover two. And they were trying everything. And they just had, you could tell they had no plan. Their plan is just to try everything. And that's not a plan. That getting Cordell Patterson touches because he has one or two good looking plays is not a good plan. Like they just have, it was my concern with their offense at the beginning of the year in the sense that I just didn't think they had enough juice as an offense. Um, Allen Robinson's an awesome player, uh, you know, and the line was improving a little bit, but it just seems like they just went back to what they did last year and just throwing shit against the wall. And yeah, and it just, we see the result when they're scoring 13 points this week, 17 the week before. And it just, every play looks hard, <laughs> really, really difficult. It's also really hard and difficult to watch it. Yes. <laughs> over and over again. Uh, I know I you mean, guys are fans. At least I get to look away. Like I always I can just go, eh, I'm not gonna watch their all twenty two this week. Well, it's just it's just uh yeah, I mean it, we can't avoid it. We gotta cover the games and yeah. it, and in football it's just really hard to watch offenses that can't move the ball at all. And it just seems to get worse and worse. You know, I, I this is uh you touched on a number of things that we talk about a lot, one of which is Matt Nagy and it obviously spilled over during your conversation about the Eagles, Matt Nagy trying to run Andy Reid's system, but yeah. without Andy Reid's players. I mean, yes. you, you just don't have, uh, and I remember talk, almost this time last year having the exact same conversation, go any position group, you don't have the same players. The only player that um, would probably start on the Chiefs is maybe Allen Robinson, but he doesn't have the speed of Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Um, or some of the guys that are running around for Andy Reid. So it's just not – you can't run the same system without those players. You just can't do it. <laughs> it's 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 remarkable because you it's even some of the same formations. They You'll watch the Chiefs and they isolate Kelsey and these 
I call them one by three formations where the tight end is the lone receiver. And then the, the three other receivers are on the other side. And Kelsey though is six, five, 260 pounds and can run an entire X receiver route tree. And then when all of a sudden you watch the Eagles and they're trying to do the backup tight end. And it's, it's probably, I guarantee you they watch that. Uh, they watch the chiefs and they're like, well, we did this in Kansas city and I'm sure Matt Nagy does the same thing. Well, we did this in, in Kansas city and it worked. When you run these plays that are so vertically stretching, it helps when every single receiver is a 4-3 guy. And Allen Robinson's great. He's awesome. But he's, what, a 4-5 and change guy? But he's more of a crafty, just-can-do-everything guy. So these plays aren't getting the stretch and the that they need, that they the room to breathe that they need. The talent that they have is just not conducive to what they were doing in Kansas City. But I... I Nagy seems like he's going to just keep trying to do that. <laughs> we're on year, we're we're a few years into this now. Does it ever amaze you, like, like in in season adjustments, just seem to be so hard for certain coaches? And, and you mentioned the the Saints a little bit ago, and like what they just did with Taysom Hill. He's, he's not Drew Brees. He's not even Jameis Winston. But here they are winning. The the uh, Panthers just did it with PJ Walker, like their yeah. backup quarterback who was just in the XFL comes in and is in success is successful like other teams the bears for example like the the in-season game the game adjustments why do you think some maybe struggle more than others i just they don't know how to self-reflect self-scout uh, I think, you know, adjustments is huge in football and not even you're saying the the mid uh, or in game to game or even the quarterly of the season in game adjustments are remarkable. Like how the best coaches are so good, like the Sean McVay's of the world, Kyle Shanahan's, Bill Belichick's like these guys and the Sean Payton's, they know what is not working and then they'll just tweak and they'll just these guys work hours upon hours trying to put together a game plan. And, you know, these game plans have hundreds of plays and variations and all these things they are looking for the confidence that some of these coaches have and going like, all right, we're throwing out 80% of that stuff we worked on. I don't care if we stay up to 1am working on that play. It's out because it's not working. We're only going to call these five plays for the rest of the game. That's what good coaches do. They're willing to just go. Cause some of these coaches like clench to, I got to run my shit. I got to run my stuff. I worked my butt off. This worked on this worked on practice on Wednesday, but not willing to have that self um, self reflection of going like, well, it's not working. Maybe we have to make it simpler. And also the mid like game to game, and like you said with the Saints, like we were talking about right there. That's a great example with the Panthers too. Joe Brady's doing an awesome job down there in Carolina. And what those guys are doing is they're not putting chains on their offense and limiting them they are making it simpler or making it less you know easier on the quarterback maybe less weight on their guys but it's not like the offense just looks like day one install um what you know what the broncos offense looks like with drew lock right now where it's just like it's just everything is just simple 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 so the defense are able to sit on that they're able to use and reflect and know what their personnel is good and bad at and go, okay, what you hear every coach say, let's highlight the strengths and limit the weaknesses, but they actually do it. And that's where the cliches come from because some smarter, better people at the job were able to do something like that. Just not everyone is able to have that like self-reflection to do it. Nate, I'm so glad you brought up the, the Panthers because Joe Brady made adjustments this week with a backup quarterback and hasn't even had his star player out there, and he's still able no. to tweak the offense and, and and to make it work. You know, here in Chicago, it's an interesting phenomenon because I think even the last time we talked to you, we were probably telling you about how you know there's just all this Trubisky fatigue and people are just sick yeah. of him. Now, everybody wants him to come back and play again, <laughs> and it's but I think they're realizing like it's not just about you know, no one's saying like all of a sudden Trubisky is great. It's just a matter of that the offense was working. When yeah. he was out there, when you had his mobility to mask some of the issues up front with the offensive line, and um, it, I guess what's really frustrating to a lot of people here in Chicago is, okay, in-season adjustments, but all anyone's asking them to do is to go back with what they were already running earlier this season, what they had installed in training camp, although training camp was limited, but that's still the stuff they were running. Like It shouldn't be that hard to go back to stuff you were doing week one, week two, week three. Yeah, and that that's the thing too is the this offense right now in its current iteration, there's no 
the floor is so low with it. Some of these offenses, like the Saints offense, why they can plug and play Taysom Hill in there, even though he's a dynamic player, he, he you know, where it's jury still out whether he's a quarterback or not. But their run game is so good, and everything they do with it is just like so. The bar is raised high. So it's like they're going to get their 17 points, give or take. And if they're really feeling it, they're going to get their 24, 30 points. With the Bears, there's no bar being raised up. Like they have nothing to lean on when shit's going south. They can't just go, oh, oh, we'll just go back to these great plays that we we are really good at. Like what's the Bears' best play this year? Because anyone say in the Matt Nagy turn, oh, they have that trademark play. That's awesome. Is it a pitch to Cordero Patterson? You know, like that, you know, like what is his – when the Titans start struggling – Sure enough, you'll probably see him in I formation running an outside zone or a split zone to Derrick Henry. They have something that they're going to fall back on when stuff's going south. And the one element Mitch does bring is he can actually use his legs. Like Foles is almost like a negative scrambler. <laughs> like yeah. he's like a negative pocket presence. Like he is not even like complacent where he can ad lib a throw. He gets lucky every once in a while, but it's like, Man, he he's a magnet. It to looks conjure. like it hurts him, like to make those. I was gonna say, <laughs> I know it's like painful to watch. Not just the hits he takes, but how he gets to those hits. But at least if they're gonna make the offense simpler and stuff, at least Mitch gives you that dynamic of. I'm saying like I know him. Trubisky gives you that dynamic like of just raising the bar. Like it just it's a wild card. It's Charlie Kelly and Always Sunny. You know. He's the wild card jumping out of the back of the band. Like at least he has that element that he can throw in there uh, for an offense. But when you when you're only scoring in the teens week after week and it's looking hard, every play looks hard. You got to you got to get some juice in there. You really do. Uh, Whether it is, and that's where you can use a bye week to kind of like, all right, we're gonna put some in there that might let us take a deep breath and give us a chance. So sticking on the run game for a little bit, and you went to Wisconsin, so this is. Your guy's bread and butter. Um, when the when, when a run game is this bad, we're talking about the Bears' run yeah. game. I mean, the only team averaging less than 80 yards per game. Only two rushing touchdowns over two games. When it's this horrendous, is it personnel? Is it coaching? Is it injuries? Like, what do you see? Is it, is it scheme? Are they not being used correctly? Like, what, what are you seeing when you put that all 22 on? You mean you didn't like it when Barcavius Mingo was like the leading rusher for a week? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the craziest stats this year, Nate, is like Cordell Patterson has more kick return yards than the Bears have rushing yards this That's season. It, it, it blows your mind. Yeah, especially actually with the Bears defense still being good too. <laughs> so that, there's not a lot of kick, you know, that kickoffs happening. Early in this year, they were actually doing some nice stuff in the run game. Like I actually was like a little more optimistic than I had been. Again, I think it ties into them throwing so much out there every week and so much variable, like so much changes week to week. There's not a consistent offensive identity other than sloppiness that it it's they're not able to have that run game identity and build off each other with these concepts. It just seems week to week they're changing what they're running and they don't have a running back or the personnel to kind of just make it work. Um, you know, having a good, you know, there's the online argument or just really philosophical argument about running backs don't matter, you know, but good running backs are still really nice to have. <laughs> um, it, they can rate, like we're talking about raising the bar. That's what a good running back can do. It's, Hey, this was only blocked for two yards, but I'm getting four yards. Um, and with what they're doing on offense right now, they need as much help as they can get to get those couple extra yards. Actually, I just have their stats up right now. Like I, I didn't even realize that they're last in the league in third down percentage too. They're, they're only 31%, but that probably speaks to their run game too. It's probably because they've only had, they they're getting third and eights, third and twelves. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, you know, they, the uh, distance to go is probably just so they're behind the sticks always. It's just, it's just a domino effect of badness, you know, that's where the bad run game, you're going to make more, more go on the quarterback and you don't have a quarterback that's going to win you a game, just outright win it for you. Um, it's it's just a tough situation. It's tough sledding. I want to ask you about the Packers too because that's who the Bears play. Uh, unfortunately, the country is going to be subjected to the Bears on uh, primetime football again because oh, it's yeah. a sun- Sunday night game. Um, what are you seeing? It, you know, I, I go back to the – everyone making such a big deal about the Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur pairing um, and would they get along and you're making Aaron Rodgers at this stage in his career, get into a new offense. Well, 
certainly seems to be working this year. I mean, what do you what do you what are you seeing there uh, with what Matt Lafleur is doing so well in Green Bay? Yeah, I man, I was even low on how this offense would look. I just didn't think they had enough talent outside of Devontae Adams uh, and, and Aaron Jones, you know, to kind of like make it work. I thought they'd be competent. They really have hybrid a lot of the stuff that Aaron uh, that Rogers likes. And the floor is preferred stuff with an off tight end and everything. But really what they're doing is they're using, and it's kind of the new trend, not a new trend, but a new emphasis that offenses are having is throwing in motion and speed motions and jet motions. And I think Rogers, it's even though he's in, you can teach the old dog new tricks. He doesn't like having motions because um, it can really screw up the quarterback. If you're not comfortable with it, because it can change strength. It can change how, because defenses will adjust to strength and 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 what is now considered the passing strength, and that can screw up how the quarterback reads it. Because how many times have we seen Rodgers doing the little hand signals and and changing a couple things right before because he wants everything static so he can see what the defense is going to be in? I think in that comfort level where they can have a jet motion or a speed motion or something, an orbit motion right before the snap to really just put strain on these match defenses that are that everyone runs basically now um it's it's cool to see and they got a nice run game they're doing decent stuff and there and it's just they this past week against the colts that was just a slug fest it's i think it was just two good teams whoever won it and whoever lost it didn't like gets a blemish in my eye like you know they both teams get a gold star way to go um you know it's i just think with what they're doing on offense it is pretty pretty impressive because they're doing it week after week. And then Rogers is doing what he does as you know, as bear fans, that is just terrifying to see when he starts, he gets that little look in his eye and he breaks contain. And all of a sudden you see that ball just whipping down there 20 yards, right in the spot. Um, so he's, he has, he's playing with confidence right now, even if the guys around him might not be tip top. Um, they're making it work. They got, they got team speed and they got a couple of good players and they know how to utilize them. All right, Nate. Last one for you, and and thanks again so so much for for your time. How good is Patty Fisher in the Northwestern defense, and should Pat Fitzgerald be the next coach of the Chicago Bears after he just beat your Badgers? Oh my God, that game was brutal. <laughs> that I, I woke up and I, for whatever reason, all last week I thought it was in Madison. And then as soon as I wa- I didn't wake up, but when I turned that game on, all of a sudden I was like, oh, no, it's <laughs> I was like, this is going to be brutal. And it was brutal. They just, oh, I, I, I can't. I, 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 I sorrowed it on Saturday night. I was, I was pretty, pretty sad. I didn't even like, I didn't even talk to anybody about it. My wife came home and she was just like, how'd the game go? And I was like, it happened. <laughs> you know, that, yeah, what game? That, what game? I don't know. It, it happened because she realized it wasn't on. Um, I think the receivers being out doesn't help a freshman quarterback. Uh, I th- still think he has a chance. I think it was a good maybe wake up call uh, to maybe that they aren't as good as they they maybe thought they were. Wisconsin being uh, who I'm talking about, but uh, yeah, didn't like it. <laughs> didn't like didn't like it. It wasn't fun. I. I still, I, my junior year when we last played them, we, we scored 70 on them. So at least I have that, but that was in Madison though. It's not in, in bogey town, Evanston. Bogey town. I remember <laughs> that game scoring 70. I was there. That was, yeah. Uh, Cause I was probably, I probably played. So that's why, yeah. that's why, <laughs> that's why I remember it. And I only remember the Nate Tice moments too. Okay. That's it. How could you not? How could you not? Uh, Nate, <laughs> thanks so much for jumping on with us. We always appreciate it. The insight is outstanding. And thanks again. No, awesome. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right, there he is. Nate Tice, again, you can hear him, and you should be listening to him on the Athletics Football Show with Robert Mays, and follow him on Twitter, at Nate underscore Tice. Tons of great X's and O's content there on Twitter. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. Because when you're looking for a job, Hogan Johns fans, you want the best experience possible. No questions left to answer and sketchy websites to navigate around. 
LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. And over 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Adam. That's linkedin.com slash Adam to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's keep the uh, Wisconsin Northwestern theme going here on the podcast. We go from our Wisconsin guest to our uh, weekly Northwestern guest in Kevin Fishbane, who's the happier of these two. Kevin Johns just, I don't know why, but felt the need to like punish <laughs> Nate's feelings for what happened Saturday at Ryan Field. Um, but you're the happier guy in this equation, and Northwestern's sitting pretty uh, good right now. Gentlemen... Biggest victory in the Pat Fitzgerald era. Wow. Yes. Biggest win. Uh, I would say it's the first win in 20 years that Northwestern was ranked. Another team was ranked. The national spotlight was on them. They always lose those games. It's the first time in 20 years they actually won one of those games. Um, And I'm going to say this. I'm extending my normal 15 seconds because, again, big win. Um I'm going to tie the Bears into this real quickly, by the way, but keep going. Please do. Uh, You know, I understand a tough loss for the Badgers. I had a lot of Badgers fans in my mentions uh, upset about the officiating. Let me tell you something. The referees did not turn the ball over five times for Wisconsin. The referees did not make it. So Wisconsin took zero snaps from the red zone. And also Northwestern won by 10 even though they fumbled at the goal line on first and goal from the one, missed a very makeable field goal. I mean, Northwestern dominated. Yeah, I'll go ahead and say it. The Cats dominated. Uh, and I know Wisconsin was missing some players. Guess what? This undefeated Northwestern team is, had two defensive starters opt out, had the best offensive lineman the school's had in 15 years opt out, and they're 5-0 and and looking forward to see uh, where they're ranked in the college football playoff. And I end... My time on my high horse, uh, pointing out that as a Northwestern fan, I know that they could easily lose to Michigan State uh, this weekend, and it'd be pretty sad because that's Not. just generally what Northwestern has done in the past. But maybe this year, uh, this year's a little different. So go Cats! That's not going to happen. No, uh, but if they did lose to Mel Tucker on Saturday, that'd be. But we're wired to kind of think, think like. Yeah, that. I know. You I know, know you are. Yes. I'm not because I'm. I'm just been around since 2015. I've seen the good years. Yes. Um, okay, Johns. In your question to Nate Tice, though, you, uh, you, I, I think you were joking, but you brought up the idea of Pat Fitzgerald coaching the Bears. I was partially joking, but there was, I don't know, interest. I don't, I don't want to say. In, okay, let me backtrack. There was on Twitter a lot of talk about Pat Fitzgerald after that game being a head coaching candidate in the NFL. Okay. I do know... I Where was that coming from, by the way? Because I missed that. I don't know who started it, but it, it, it was all over social media later okay. that day. There were, there were a few reporters say, you know, watching that game saying Fitz should be an NFL head coach. And I, I will say last week, a certain reporter did his annual Pat Fitzgerald should go to the NFL um, nugget in his Sunday morning stories. Yes. I, and we know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> good. Uh, let, let me. I, I actually want to hit on this, though. Yeah, go uh, ahead. No, I, I think it's Johns. Do you actually think that that would be a no, good uh, idea? And then I want to hear from Kevin of, because he he can approach that same question as like the, the guy who covers the Bears, but also the guy that I'm guessing would probably be a little devastated if he actually ever left Northwestern. So. When I saw all that, the, the Pat Fitzgerald tweets, um, we know Fitz is in a, his dream job right now. Like it, It's such an ideal situation for him. Uh, I don't think there's going to be another college team out there that's capable of prying him out of that situation. But I do think with him being a South Suburban guy, Chicago area guy, 
that there is one NFL team that could do that, and that's the Chicago Bears, if that interest happens to be serious and mutual. Go ahead, Kev. Uh, I would, for Fitz's sake, I would hope he could <laughs> just stay in Northwestern, not have to come to <laughs> coach this team. <laughs> you know, I've, I've said this for a long time, uh, that the only way I could see Fitz leaving is, A, the Bears job, I do think, would be kind of the one that he would like deep down want. You know, there was a story about the Packers' interest in him and his kids are at the dinner table. I think Teddy Greenstein wrote this, and they're like, "Yeah, Dad, it's the Packers. Like, you, you can't. We, we. I mean, th- this is a family that's very emotional about their rooting interests. I've always said though that I feel like it's so hard for me to see Fitz leave if he has not accomplished something like a Rose Bowl win, a Big Ten championship. Uh, a college football playoff like something like he he's obviously he's, he's the greatest coach in the history of Northwestern he's he's accomplished a ton but I just feel like there is still it would be hard for him to leave without that one you know trophy on the mantle that says I got us to the mountaintop like he's created a consistently winning program at a place that for decades people thought it was impossible I mean obviously Gary Barnett started it Randy Walker continued it and Fitz has put them in the spot they're in. I just think, I, I think knowing him and how much he values that role, I, I think he would need to really do something special. And I'll also say, and, and Hogue, you know this from spending time around him, and Johns, you've been around him too. The guy is built to be a college football coach. Like, I just don't, I, I, I just don't know how much all the extras that come in the NFL, all that stuff. You know, you're dealing with guys who are on these multi-million dollar contracts and just all the drama that comes with it. It's just hard for me to see him enjoying that element of it, even though it is kind of the the top of the coaching, um, you know, uh, uh, hierarchy. I guess the counter argument to that is I feel like the NFL game has changed a bit. Look at Cliff Kingsbury. Nowhere near the college coach that Pat Fitzgerald is. Now I know different expertise, you know, the, 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 the offense that Kingsbury has is obviously very enticing for, for NFL teams. Real quick. I think the better comp is Matt rule. Yes. I was getting there. Yes. And I, I, I've had the, the same thoughts, Kevin, but I, I, I'm coming around to the idea that maybe Fitz could actually handle it. Maybe he's changed, grown all that stuff that coaches bring up. Where he would be a great CEO of a team, you know, like we talk about this, like with Matt Nagy and him giving up the play calling, like a guy who could just run a team. Like I think Pat Fitzgerald can do that. I think he can maybe find the right coaches for his players too. He just makes things work for Northwestern, and we know, you know, they they, they have more difficulties than others for various reasons in, in recruit recruiting. And I'm I'm of the opinion now, at least. Especially with like with Matt Rule, that he could make this work at this level. I absolutely believe he can do it. There's no question in my mind. Um, and I actually think in a it would depend where he is, but I think with the type of guys the Bears have right now, the culture that has been so important that Ryan Pace has built up with those types of guys, I think he would actually. Um, the stuff you talked about, Kevin, like kind of dealing with that. I, I think as long as the guys are professional, he would actually probably welcome it. Um, remember, a lot of times you're dealing with like 17, 18-year-old, 19-year-old kids that still have to mature. And some sometimes that can get frustrated at the college level too. Um, I always go back to more of what you were talking about, Kev, which is like, would he really make that decision? I thought that that nugget that you brought up from Teddy Greenstein's article... Uh, which was the last thing he wrote. It was like, a, what was it, 100 facts on Pat Fitzgerald? And he he brought up how when the Packer talk came up a couple years ago, when Mark Murphy was interested in just at least having a conversation, Fitz brought it up at the dinner table, right? And it was essentially shut down by his kids because they said, we're not Packer fans, we're Bears fans. And that was the end of the conversation. That's essentially a summary of what Teddy wrote. Well, that conversation is a lot different if it's the Bears' job, isn't it? And yep. I've always wondered, 
and this is actually timely today. Fitz, just a couple hours ago, tweeted, happy birthday to his son, Jack, who's 16, plays at Loyola. Um, I don't necessarily know how good he is, but I've heard some good things playing tight end. And is he a guy that could play at Northwestern? And is that something Fitz would want to do as coach's kids? I don't know. Uh, it's just all part of the equation, I think. But I do wonder... I ha- I just have a feeling that the family would be a little. It would be a different conversation if it was actually the Bears' job, and I absolutely think that he could do it. Um, again, there's a lot of speculation and just kind of fun conversation right now. We're talking about a job that isn't even open, or we got done talking about earlier in this podcast about how it probably won't be open. But it's just kind of fun to think about sometimes. Yeah, I do, I do want to step back because you made a great point, Hogue, that. As much as there's a lot of crap in the NFL, the, I mean the college stuff, especially the way it is now. I mean, he, the fit, fits in social media. Like I would have never thought he would take to it. And I mean, you know, he doesn't love that aspect of it, but he knows how important it is, not just you know for the the face of Northwestern for the for recruitment. I mean, this whole fighting Reese Davis's thing, like it's easy to kind of roll my eyes at it, but they know they need that stuff. They need that kind of national attention to get down the map for a lot of 15 16 year olds i've never heard of them who are playing football somewhere so i do think if he can handle that he could probably handle what comes with the pros i just i just wonder what is like what is the on the bucket list of things that Fitz would love to make sure he says he has completed because remember when when michigan was flirting with him years ago you know, it was a weird spot. Like he, he, his assistant coaches weren't necessarily making the type of money they should. The facilities aren't what they were now. He's gotten everything, and, and they're so close on the field. They've had moments now. Like, d- d- does he believe that he needs to win a Big Ten championship? Well, and that's to, to the facilities move. matter though, because like yeah. that was that was part of the promise that was made when he decided not to take that. It's like we will get you the facilities. They've done that. And that's why three years ago when the Bears job was open, it didn't really make sense because the facilities were just about to open. Leaving then would have been tough. Um and I do agree, there's unfinished business. And I think he genuinely actually believes Northwestern can compete for a national title too, uh, as you continue to build the build things up. So um I don't know. We'll see where that goes. But it's it's fun. What we also were talking about is uh, who should be starting at quarterback on Sunday. And the interesting thing that John said, Kevin, is that if both quarterbacks are healthy, he still thinks that Nagy would probably still start Foles. I agree. I think so. I mean, look, this is a guy that benched Mitch Trubisky when the Bears were undefeated. You know, I I, I, I just always go back to that. Um and I understand that where they are at now is a much different spot. Um, what what I would like to know, like, I think if Mitch came back, I think we would all know the type of offense we would see, right? It'd be, it would probably be the offense we saw in September, maybe a few extra wrinkles with Bill Lazor calling plays. And we've talked on this podcast about how, you know, getting Mitch under center, getting him on the move, the way the run game looked, all those things were better in those weeks. And then you put Nick Foles in, it looks more like last year's offense, just worse. I, I would be curious if Nick Foles is healthy and starting, do you start to incorporate more of the those things that you use in Mitch Trubisky with a Nick Foles, getting him under I think we saw some of it in that one good drive against Minnesota. You saw Nick Foles moving. You saw the pocket moving. Um, by the way, did you guys know that Nick Foles has three rushing yards this year? You have three rushing yards this year. <laughs> That's three more than I thought. Yeah. I because uh, I was going through the like comparing the Chiefs and the Bears run games from when Nagy was in Kansas City, and I, I was surprised how how highly the Chiefs ranked in like rushing yards per game, rushing yards per carry, even though they were always in the middle of the league in terms of actual rushing plays. Well, the the difference was Alex Smith. A lot of those, I mean, they had Kareem Hunt in 2017. They had Jamal Charles when Nagy first got there, but Alex Smith was going for five to six yards a carry getting 400 yards rushing for a bunch of those years. And we saw what Mitch did in 2018. Again, I know this is not news to anybody, but just kind of seeing the numbers, that way you're reminded how much a running quarterback can help this kind of offense. And and you just you don't get that from Nick Foles, which they probably did not think would be an issue because they expected Nick Foles to be much better. It seems like you're you're teeing yourself up for the uh, Fishbane Funvax segment here. I've got a few I've been toying with. Um also, they're not finished products yet. It's, tr- it's true. 
Uh, I'll give you I'll give you one on this topic and one on a completely different topic. How about that? Okay. All right. So we talk about um, the difference between Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles, the offenses. Um, John Z, am I free to give one of the stats I gave to you via text message earlier today? I guess. I guess. Just a little nugget. Just a little. Just a little taste. Right. Okay. Uh, this goes back to David Montgomery. We've talked a lot about under center David Montgomery. Much more uh, carried the ball more often under center with the quarterback with Mitch Trubisky more successfully. How about 12 and 13 personnel? David Montgomery had 9.3 carries per game with multiple tight ends in the field in the first three games this season. In the last seven, that has dropped to 5.8 carries per game in 12 and 13 personnel. So, you know, just I always come back to this whole tight end usage. Like, they used a pretty important draft pick on a guy that you keep talking about is pretty great. And we finally saw him get the snaps that he deserves in Cole Komet. But I think back to this running game. If they're trying to fix it, this is one little morsel, one little thing that I noticed kind of going through the numbers that that Montgomery spent a lot more time running the ball with two or three tight ends in the field early in the season. Are you telling me that tight ends are better at blocking potentially than in Anthony Miller or or, or Darnell Mooney? Or half the offensive linemen the Bears have used this season. (laughs) Well, not Jimmy Graham, but... Cold, cold, cold. No, but I I think that it gives you some more options, right? Cold, but accurate. um, You ain't lying. Yeah. All right, you want my uh, uh, unrelated fun fact? Did you guys talk about Allen Robinson at all, the red zone stuff? Oh, yeah, I wrote about that last week. I read it. Um, So... Thank you. You're welcome. One thing I I noticed, um, you know, thinking about how... There's a disparity between his overall targets and red zone targets. Uh, I was I was thinking like, well, the Bears are never in the red zone, right? And it's true they're they're 28th in the league and and total plays run in the red zone. But here's what shocked me: they're tied for fifth in the most pass plays in the red zone, which tells me two things: one, they've had ample opportunities to throw the ball to Allen Robinson in the red zone, and two, they should run the ball more when they're in the red zone. Yeah. All right. That no, know. no. That's why. But that's why when I looked at this last week, Kevin, you're right. Uh, that's why I used the um, the target share. You know, like the amount of times he was actually getting the ball in the red zone thrown his way of available targets, and it was like 14 percent of the of all the targets that they've distributed in the red zone. Your number one wideout's getting 14 percent, and then you get inside the 10 yard line, and it's even worse. It's 8 percent, and to your point. I mean, because that's only pass plays. So that's just whatever pass plays you're running. And I agree with you. They should run the ball more. But when they do throw it, it's like his agent had a point. Yeah. Shouldn't your number one wideout be? And I don't have this in front of me. I wrote it last week in my 10 Bears things. But the Devontae Adams numbers are where they should be for a number one wide receiver. Okay. That's where Aaron Rodgers looks. And probably looks more often than he even gets the ball to him. Because he's probably the number one read on most of those plays. Adam Thielen in Minnesota. Same deal. I think he leads the league, or at least last week when I wrote this, led the league in red zone targets. So it's that is one of the many things we can bring up that just don't really make sense with this offense. It just seems so simple, too. That's the frustrating part, too. To go back to what tight ends coach Clancy Perone was saying about like him routes, you know, and just they don't have a lot of him routes in there. Like, what did you think that Allen Robinson would have some him routes near the goal yeah. line? You know, ways to, to get your best receiver open or, or find those one-on-one matchups just blows your mind sometimes. It, it goes back to what Nate Tice said earlier in this podcast. Why, why is everything so hard? Like, it's unnecessarily hard. This And this is an example. It doesn't need to be so hard to get the ball in the end zone when... You have a guy you could throw the ball to more who's very, very good, and they just don't do it. Like, it should be simpler. You, you guys watched the Colts-Packers game, I imagine, a little bit on Sunday. We yes. saw some highlights. Um, so, look, I understand Phillip Rivers is a Hall of Fame, potential Hall of Fame quarterback. So I, 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 I want to be a little careful here in trying to put either Bears quarterback on a Phillip Rivers level. But this isn't the Phillip Rivers of five, ten years ago. And he also can't really move, Right. No. And he sits back there. We saw this when he came to Chicago. And a little flick of the wrist, and the ball's out. It's floating, and there's a Colts player wide open. 
I mean, how many times did that happen against Green Bay? And how often is a Bears receiver or tight end even open? Again, not to take, not to say this is, you know, that the, because the quarterbacks are at fault, obviously, for a lot of what's going on. But I just don't think that we've seen a whole lot of times where receivers, and it goes back again to Hoke, this shouldn't be so hard. It shouldn't be so difficult to, to be able to scheme some of these guys open. And of course, the catch-22 is when they're schemed open, that's when the quarterback is generally, you know, missed the target. Yeah. Or on his back. But, yeah. Hey, the, Saw these it last guys, night with the Rams. Yeah. These guys could still make the playoffs. Oh, the Rams game last night. That is just a well-coached team. I apologize to the Rams for doubting them this year. It, They're just on both sides of the ball. The way Sean McVay, we were talking about earlier with Nate Tice, in-season adjustments, in-game adjustments, the motion. He doesn't have a great quarter, but Jared Goff's not great. Jared Goff's good enough. And then on the other side, Brandon Staley's – I mean, we know Brandon Staley. He He's doing a great job. That's a well-coached football team. Uh, in Los Angeles, that was fun to watch last night. And Tom Brady snubbed the uh, the court. Wow, he just what a sore loser. Seriously, you you just don't you don't shake the quarterback's hand when you lose. What an eye opening thing that's been this year. Who Brady in Tampa Bay? He did not well, look good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, just him being a sore loser. Or, yeah, or, yeah. but we're starting to hear people kind of come out of the. The, the shadow saying that he's actually kind of always been that way. It might not be so obvious with these, you know, quarterback snubs, handshakes after the game, but like apparently there's been some of that going on for a long time. I don't know. I mean, he's still obviously the greatest, but it's just a bad look. Greatest quarterback of all time and greatest sore loser of all time. Grow up. Aren't you like the oldest guy in the league? Grow up. I think you find the title of the podcast. Grow up. <laughs> Grow up, Tom Brady, hyphen, Adam Hogue. Grow up, Tom Brady, and Bears offense. <laughs> Come on. All right. Well, once again, I feel like we solved a lot of problems. Um, once again, the Bears will probably take very little of our solutions. But I feel like, you know, we're even on the next year. We've got the next coach, whenever that is. You know, we got we got all kinds of solutions here. It's production-based business, Adam. Nice hat, by the way, Kev. Thank you. Go Cats. Go Cats. I, I haven't gotten a haircut in a while, so the hat the hat wearing is going to be for the Do little you, hair. Do you really even need a haircut? The little hair I have left. You know, the beauty of these Zooms is you just see, like, the front of my head where I still have hair. Uh, oh. You know, it's receding, but it's still there. You know, you know, if I'm if we're out on the field, if we're out in the media room, you see those pictures from the back. Those are bad looks for me. I do not do well in those kind of angles. But here on Zoom, you're just looking at the front of me. It's okay. You don't need hair. Yeah, I, I gotta keep. I got. I'll still keep the hair I got. You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not trying to go Matt Nagy yet. You got plenty. Yeah, uh, picturing Kevin Fishman bald. I'm struggling with that one. You know, struggle. Listen, I was gifted red hair. It's a, my my bubby always tells me she it's from her. So I gotta you know, I gotta maintain it as long as I can. All right. Well, no matter how much hair you have, you have an undefeated football team. I do. Five and oh. Go cats. There you go. All right, Kevin Fishbane, follow him on Twitter at KFishbane. You of course read him on the athletic, theathletic.com. Uh if you haven't signed up, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. Get that amazing Black Wednesday deal. Is that what it's called? Black Friday deal. Black Wednesday is a whole different thing. We're not in college anymore. Hopefully people avoid Black Wednesday or do it safely at home by themselves. Probably not a good idea to be celebrating Black Wednesday, let alone Thanksgiving this year. But I hope you still do. hope everybody uh, finds ways to do it safely. Uh, I'm not going to get on a big soapbox here, but... You know what? You can have Thanksgiving whenever you want. Didn't we spend the last two Thanksgivings at a steak and shake in Kalamazoo, Michigan? Perfect example. Again. Not, not suggesting people do that either. Not suggesting that, but there are lots of ways to have Thanksgiving. Yes. But there's also nothing holding you back from doing Thanksgiving in April. You want to make a selfish decision? 
have extra holidays whenever you want. That's a good to me. That's that's what we're doing to my family. We're gonna have two Thanksgivings in 2021. What's better than that? You get one in the spring. You get one in the fall. Love it. It's okay. The, like I said, the football's still there for you Thursday. You could still have plenty of food. I'm sure you still have some people. Hopefully, you still have some people around you. Uh, but just make smart decisions. And remember, it's just the date on the calendar when it's all said and done. You can, hopefully, when this is all over, uh, you can have five Thanksgivings in 2021 if you want. That sounds awesome, too. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H O G E, at Adam Johns, J A H N S. Please read us, NBCSportsChicago.com for me. Ten Bears things are up. Johnsy's on The Athletic, those same places we just told you about. Please rate and review the podcast. We appreciate you doing that. Check out Nate Tice on The Athletic's football show. Follow him on Twitter, at Nate underscore Tice. Thanks to our producer, Kate Garrison. Always does such a great job for us. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Have a good week. Uh, we will talk to you Friday when we break down this big Bears pack. Talk to you next See ya. Y'all stay corona-free, all right? And God bless.